Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hi there and welcome to today's episode of Your Ultimate Life. Today is episode 701 and it's the third of six episodes that I'm doing regarding that very peculiar experience that I had in June of, of uh, 2018 when I died. And that sounds incredible, and it is. And the reason that I'm doing this is because I, I get asked about it a lot. And I recognize that those kinds of things are, you know, subject to belief. People can believe whatever they want to, and are, I encourage that. But I also encourage you to lean into intuitions and feelings that you have. When we get stuck in the idea that the only thing that's worth believing is what I can touch, we miss a lot of the nuances of life. Love, relationship, connection, or among the other, among those things. If we only think <clears throat> the only value of a relationship is what I get out of it, then we're missing the bulk of what it's like to be human, the human experience. Anyway. I decided to do this in six parts, and yesterday where we left off was that I I was in the, in the middle of the second conversation, and I'd had that incredible experience of seeing a lot of stuff. It felt like being fed with a celestial fire hose, and that I was somehow protected in that to see a lot of glorious things. But anyway, at the end, it was really clear to me four things. One is that we're all intentional, loving, carefully crafted <laughs> children of the divine, children of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the second is that we're given gifts and talents lovingly, intentionally. And third, that we have a mission and purpose here that we agreed to and that those gifts and talents are related to, to help us find and identify, figure, that, figure out what our purpose is and to enjoy it and to be able to do it, to facilitate that. So... The question I ask after that <laughs> overwhelming part of the experience is I said, well, why do we, why do we settle for crumbs? I mean, since this is our divine heritage, why do we mostly settle for crumbs? And I don't know if in the economy of heaven, brevity is a virtue, but the answer was four words because you don't believe and that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, holy cow, <clears throat> we don't. Instead, we believe all the stories. We believe all the impossibles, the naysayers, the kibitzing, you know, the nonsense on our shoulders. That's what we believe instead. And we lean into that and we trust that and we give that power instead of believing our divine heritage. So after I sort of hyperventilated for a moment, I asked, well, what can I do? Because remember, in the first conversation, I'd said, no, I'm not done. I'm staying here. <clears throat> and in this one, up to that point, we'd talked about what I was going to do and the coaching practice I had and the work that I was about. Because remember, 11 years before, in August of 2007, I'd had a divine intervention that helped me completely change the direction of my life. I'd been pursuing wealth and power and stuff before that, and it had been full of problems, addictions and struggling and failed relationships and everything among them, and hurting relationships with my kids and 
a disaster. <clears throat> so I said, well, what can I do in the context of my, my mission? I was asking to talk about my mission and so forth. And the divine answer again, oh, glad you ask. And so it was, it was a, a fabulous thing that followed next, which I'm going to describe right now, which is God went through with me an idea, a process about how to change those beliefs. Because <clears throat> we live with a series of beliefs about how the world works, about everybody, about everything, about ourselves especially. And I call that a straitjacket. The reason I call it a straitjacket is because it limits our movement. It limits our growth. And what is the straitjacket made out of? Well, I call it B-deep, B-D-E-E-P, and it's an acronym, and it stands for beliefs, definitions, experiences, expectations, and perceptions. And those overlap a bit, but they all form this web of how we believe we fit into the world, how we believe we are supposed to behave, what we think is possible for us. Oh, I could never do that. <clears throat> oh, I'm not cut out for that. Oh, no, that's for others. I could never. It's too late. My time has passed. The, the kinds of language that we that we use to, that really signifies giving up at, if we're saying it nicely, and signifies repudiation of the divinity of who we really are. And that's a scary and unnecessary burden. So we live in that context, straitjacket. And that BD, those beliefs, definitions, experiences, expectations, and perceptions, like perceptions, I call that the context. You know, you hear people say all the time, well, they took that out of context. And that means that we robbed it of the meaning, the contextual situation that gave it meaning. And reporters and others love to do that, to twist the meanings of things, to create controversy and to stir up noise. <clears throat> and then people say, well, that's out of context. Well, the context is the thing that gives meaning in our context is what gives our life purpose and meaning, but we often let it be a straitjacket. And most of the time people settle for mediocrity. Because if you really knew all the way to the core that you're a divine being with infinite potential and God is your parent, your father, and his, he and his wife, I'm sure that there's family units there. But anyway, if, there, if you come from divine parentage, then your potential is infinite. So the real question is, why do we settle for crumbs? And so the, the next piece that came to me was a, a long and detailed explanation of how we get this context. And more importantly, because we all know where it comes from, what to do about changing it. Because where it comes from, that's easy. It comes from beliefs. Stuff we either learn to believe or taught to believe. Definitions, how we define things. Uh, experiences, stuff that's happened to us. We believe that whatever happened once must be how things work. And it gets layered on. And expectations are driven from these past experiences. And perceptions means how we see everything coming into us at this moment. So that's where the context comes from. What we often ignore is the fact that it is nothing more than up here. 
we have formed this context straitjacket, and we believe that it is true, and so we don't explore the expansive possibilities that are actually available. We all know the story about an elephant that's tied to a little stake in the circus by a string or a rope. And the stake isn't driven very far in the ground and the rope isn't very strong and something as large of an, as an elephant could tear that out <clears throat> easily. But they don't because they're living in a context straitjacket. Because when they were little, <clears throat> and I'm sure you know this story, but it's worth repeating, they were chained to a larger post that can't be moved. And they pulled against the chain over and over and over and over and over again, day after day after day after day, and they couldn't move, so they gave up. They had a story that said, when something's on my ankle tied to a thing, I can't go beyond the thing. <clears throat> That's sad, tragic for the elephant, but it's tragic because every person <clears throat> in the world does this same thing. Until we don't. And so when the answer was because you don't believe, I realized that that context straitjacket <clears throat> was the cause. And so what I was asking and receiving was, what do I do about that? And it was gloriously simple. <clears throat> it's about playing a game. And the game starts by making it a game because one of the things that's most serious about this is we don't treat it as a game. We think that the things we believe are real. Well, just recently, I saw an article from the James Webb Telescope, the new Hubble Space Telescope. It's been operational for a little while now, a month or two. And the revelations of it are surprising and are causing some questions about some of the things we believe about formations of galaxies and the speed of expansion. And some people twisted it into saying, oh, the Big Bang's wrong. Well, who knows? <laughs> but the point is that new information is causing us now to understand that what we believed very firmly before is no longer accurate, or at least certainly needs to be modified and perhaps substantially. <laughs> so... It's not weird that what we believe forms a boundary. People didn't sail when they thought the earth was flat. And we now think we're way past that and way more sophisticated, but the answer is we're doing exactly the same thing with our lives every minute. So when we stop making it serious and bounded and we realize we can play with those, those beliefs just came from experiences which are no longer happening right now. <clears throat> the elephant's no longer tied with a chain to a pole they can't move. They're tied with a string to a small stake they could rip out easily. And so we do that with ourselves. We're tied to small stakes we could rip out easily, and we don't because of our experiences in the past, which have taught us, oh, we can't do that. And that's the sad part. So, so if you understand that it's a game and you can experiment like we do with the new telescope and all that stuff, <clears throat> you have the opportunity to experiment with your beliefs. And here's uh, the short version of how that works. What I did with all this information is I wrote a second book. So I wrote a book called Meeting God at the Door, which details these three conversations. 
But the second half of this second conversation was long in itself. And so I wrote that in a companion book called The Book of Context. The title, of course, comes from the context straitjacket we live in. <clears throat> so the book of context outlines this procedure about how to play, how to experiment with our beliefs, however firmly and deeply they, we think they're entrenched. From childhood, we've known this, and therefore it's impossible. Yeah, okay, whatever. It's worth experimenting with to see are you unnecessarily chained to a small stake by a string. <clears throat> so the way to play with them is first, when you come into a situation where you have that, <clears throat> that pushback, that feeling, that avoidance, that negativity, whether it's public speaking, prospecting, creating a relationship, dealing with a hard conversation, keeping a relationship together, dealing with your kids, making more money, creating a business, anything, anything that is <clears throat> in going on in your harder life. When you run into that thing, it says, oh, I'm, 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 I don't want to do that. I want to avoid it. Then the first question to ask is, okay, what do I believe here? And this is not a indictment. This is not about trying to identify a bunch of stupid things you believe and make yourself feel bad. It's not about that at all. It's just a question. What am I believing here? It might be, well, <clears throat> networking or talking to people or creating business is a really important one for clients that I have that are working on business. And I was just talking to a client earlier today and some of his clients are struggling with this same thing because they don't want to go do networking. They don't want to talk to anybody. They just want people to walk in the door with cash. Well, that happens if you have a grocery store and people already know what they're buying. <clears throat> if you're selling any kind of advisory services or coaching or advice or teaching, even if you're selling teaching, people don't really know what you have unless they have a conversation with you or some kind of relationship. <clears throat> so... The question about not wanting to talk to others or network or go places or meet people. What are you believing? Well, often the case there's, I'm believing they don't want to talk to me. I'm believing they don't like me or they have other stuff to do. I had a client once that would always say, well, I'm sure they have something else to do besides talk to me. <laughs> Maybe they do. Maybe they won't want to talk to you. But that's okay. You won't know until you ask. So the question, the first part of it is just what, what are you believing right now? List everything you're believing. I'm believing I suck at this. I'm believing it won't work. I'm believing I'll hurt because they'll reject me. I'm believing, you know, the list of things you believe. And it's okay that you believe them. We can't change something if we can't identify it. It's like trying to fix a plumbing leak. If you don't know where it is, you can replace all the pipes you want. And you might get lucky, but probably not. So <clears throat> what do I believe? And you list it. And then you read it out loud. Well, I believe this, 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 and this. Often when we do that, that list of beliefs is kind of funny. <laughs> I believe they won't like me and that this and that that. And you read them out loud. And sometimes they're serious and you reinforce them. Yep, I believe that. And other times it's like, why do I believe that? That exercise by itself can help you just examine the beliefs. The second part is to then say, okay, <laughs> this is a set of things I believe right now. It's fine. No harm, no foul. What could I believe? Well, and the first feeling is always rejection. Well, I don't know. I don't believe anything. I believe with this list here. I don't, I don't know what I could believe. <laughs> 
We do that because we believe that our beliefs are correct. So this is just a game. So it doesn't matter if you play. I mean, we did a lot of imagining games when we were kids. So this is a chance to imagine. What else could I believe? I don't. I'm not saying I do. I mean, I'm not trying to replace anything. I'm just curious. What else could I believe? <laughs> so you, I think going back to the network thing, thing, well, I could believe that they're dying to talk to me. I could believe that they've been waiting to meet someone like me. I could believe they're dying for the product or service that I have. I could believe they're dying to have a new friend and they can't wait to meet me. I could believe that. I don't, but I could. <laughs> It's fun to have some fun with that. And sometimes things are personal and deep that that's even difficult to even play with it like that. So then, then another alternative way is to say, okay, uh, <clears throat> who do I know that is absolutely comfortable and completely capable in the situation? Oh, well, so-and-so. Well, okay, what do they believe? And then the list of the second list isn't what you could believe. It's what someone else who doesn't have this issue, believes. And you'll find the list is about the same. They must believe, and you may not know, but you can guess. Well, they probably believe this and this and this and this. And, and it's fun because you look at the list you do believe, and that's true, and the list that you could believe or that someone else believes, or your favorite superhero, or your favorite movie star. What would they do? What do they believe in this situation? <clears throat> and you look at the list and they're quite different. And you'll, and it's it's obvious then that the thing that someone else believes allows them to behave completely differently. And you, on the other hand, me, I, I believe this, so I do this. <clears throat> and this is all in just conversation. No, no, you haven't done anything yet. It's just identifying possibilities. And then, then the interesting question is: Okay, cool. So if I did believe this other list, either the list I could believe or from someone else. If I did, I don't. I'm not trying to change anything. This isn't a war, and it's not a sneaky game. It's just straight on the table, playing a game. If I did believe those that other list, what would I do? Well, that's usually a fun and easy question. So back to networking. Well, if I believed everybody wanted to talk to me and they couldn't wait to meet me, then I'd go do it. I'd introduce myself. I'd be pleasant. I'd ask questions about them. I'd do all that, and it'd be a breeze. Huh, isn't that interesting? I believe this, and it's making me fearful. Cool. I know someone else believes this stuff, or I could believe it even if I don't even know anybody. And if, I'm not saying you do, if I believe that, <clears throat> then I know what I would do is this set of bold, fearless actions that would have no problem. Isn't that fun? So what we've done is we've identified what we believe that's in the way. We've identified what we could believe, but don't yet. And what would happen if we believe that? We take these other actions. Then the game gets interesting because then you say, okay, cool. Since we're just playing and I'm actually not trying to change my beliefs, we're not doing a white knuckle fight here. We're just playing. <clears throat> Why don't I experiment with one of these things? Not the beliefs, but the actions. So if I believe this, I do that. Well, why don't I just do that? I'm just going to do it. No harm, no foul. I'm not expecting anything. I'm not trying to change my life. I'm just going to do one. It's a game. I'm going to go talk to this person in the case of networking. <laughs> and so you try one of these beliefs on for size or one of these actions, not even a belief yet. What happens, and the book is much more detailed and gives more suggestions and opportunities and specifics, but the idea is to go play 
with one of the actions that would come from that set of beliefs that come from a different you or someone else. When you do that, almost always you get unexpected results. In other words, the things you thought bad that were going to happen don't. Something different happens. And so you start collecting and you repeat this process over and over again. And the purpose for doing that is to to test these other set of alternative beliefs, just see what happens. And more often than not, in fact, nearly always, the results from those tests are unexpected. Well, I didn't think, oh, that was easier than I thought. They didn't do that at all. Wow, I didn't know. Those are the kind of things that happen. So we're not talking about fighting with fundamental beliefs. We're just talking about playing a game with some ideas. What does happen, though, is when you collect a pile of unexpected results, you have this empirical pile of unexpected results. Then you can look at them and say, you know, I do have this pile of unexpected results. I wonder. And so the wondering obviously helps you see there is another possibility. And so beliefs end up changing themselves instead of fighting with them. Because a white-knuckle war with your deeply held beliefs, you will lose. So rather, just accept your beliefs, set them aside, and go play a game with these others. There's more to it than that. But that allows you to collect unexpected results and then ask yourself the question, huh, this is the truth because I did this. I have this set here. I wonder, I wonder. And it allows you to do that in in safety without challenging anything. So anyway, that's a very brief description of the process. So that was very exciting because it's clear, it's easy, it's obvious And it doesn't involve a white-knuckle fight. It's the reason that addicts in 12-step programs don't say, I'm going to be sober the rest of my life, thump, pound the table. They simply say, when they leave meetings, here's to another 24. Because they're only experimenting with the idea of getting through one day. So when they want to use or, you know, use whatever their addiction is or compulsive behavior, they just say, well, just, I don't need to do that today. You know, I know it's bad and I'm yearning. I want to, but you know what? I, I'll do it tomorrow. I, I don't really need to do that today. And that act alone creates more courage. Then the feelings change. They go away. And that allows them to take a fresh look at tomorrow. But it's only one day at a time. So that's <clears throat> a similarity. There's, and it builds on the foundation principle of a little at a time. And it doesn't go to war with your deeply held beliefs because that's a really tough thing to do. So that conversation ended with the completion of that framework. And if you want to read that, again, it's in the book of context, which is on my Amazon author page. Anyway, the third day, the third conversation came the next day. And again, I, I... emotionally sensed it was the next day. I don't know how you know those things, but you do. And I was all excited. I came back sort of bouncing like somebody sitting on one of those office balls, right, for chairs. It was fun and everything else. And I was repeating over and over again all the things that I knew about context and beliefs. And it was just buzzing, (laughs) kind of fun, right? And we're back at the door in the same place. And I'm excited and very energetic. And 
God looked at me and simply said, are you sure? Now that question felt a little bit like I was punched. Pump. I thought, ah, what do you mean? Am I sure? Have I looked at it wrong? Am I stupid? Am I missing something? Am I biting off more than I can chew? Uh, can I get help when I need it? Because obviously I'm not close to perfect and this will all need whatever. And so what we did is <clears throat> I thought about and we talked about every possible way. Am I going to fall down? Can I, can I do this even? Am I biting off more than I can chew? Am I dreaming about my opportunities? And, you know, all of that sort of thing. And it was, it was quite a long period of consideration, or it felt like it was. In that realm, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> I have no way to measure that. So after a period of thinking about everything, every way I could, the meaning of the question, because there was no explanation, it was just there, plop. I finally said, okay, <clears throat> yes, I'm sure. And nothing was said about being done, but the conversation, that was it, the conversation ended. And it ended with a finality, an energetic finality that I just knew we were done. And that was the end of the third conversation. The second one was by far the longest, part yesterday and part today. And the first conversation about, do you want to come home? And this one, are you sure? Were shorter, but still, you know, substantive, lengthy, but not really long. <clears throat> and so I said yes, and that conversation ended. And <clears throat> I was in a coma for 17 days. These first three were, <clears throat> you know, partly taken up by these conversations. And then I was, uh, I came out of the coma 14 days later to begin uh, recovery and so forth with renewed purpose. And it was interesting because one of the first things I did on waking up was, was blubbering to the nurses and joy about the book of context and context and all of the stuff that we've talked about today. And that's an interesting story I'll talk about in another episode because I thought, you know, they're going to think I'm crazy, but they didn't. It carried the ring of truth even for someone blubbering out of a coma. So there were lots of follow-up conversations and questions. That's the, the end of the three conversations, the next three episodes are going to be about some more miracles that happened in the hospital and before I got out and after I got out that are the, the whole package of this near-death experience or death and then near-death experience. I share all this with you in the sincere hope and wish that something about what I've shared may inspire you to believe in yourself to reach out and deepen your spiritual connection, to allow me to help you if you'd like, but certainly above all things to eliminate the context straitjacket, the limitations that are around you about what's possible or not possible for you. You deserve to be happy. You can have, starting today, that ultimate life of purpose, prosperity, and joy if you want it. And my hope with all these, this is the third and the other three episodes, is that 
it will be a tool assisting you to create your ultimate life. Open your heart in this time Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your feet